The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Monday, welcome to Sharp Lessons. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. Got a whole week ahead of us, Nate. Ben Wittenstein, Nate Jacobson, the professor, looking back at the week that was, taking a look at some of the line movements for the upcoming weekend. We got lots to talk about, Nate. Um, and we could start with sweats of the week. We've got opening bell, we got market watch, everything we want to get into. But we got first week of NFL this weekend. Um, so we obviously have those games to talk about. Kind of an off week for college football, but we did have some sweats that we were looking at from this weekend. Oh, yeah. Many sweats, mostly NFL, two NFL, one college, but I'm just really excited about everything. NFL, it's always good to have a full week in the books, and now it's time for people to overreact and try to capitalize off potential overreactions and adjustments in the market. So I'm really excited to talk about football today. I was really excited preparing for the show after watching a lot of football this weekend and taking everything in. But let's start off with the sweats. And I think we'll start off, let's let's start off on Saturday with the college football sweat, a game I was watching closely, the Cyhawk game between Iowa State and Iowa in Ames. The first half total is where we're going to have the sweat of the week. And if you're new to the show, the sweat of the week is basically the positive spin on bad beats. And the total for the first half between Iowa and Iowa State was 21 and a half at some places, as high as 20 and 23 at others. Both teams scored two touchdowns in the last or one one touchdown apiece in the last 61 seconds of the first half when the score was seven to three to go for 24 points total for the first half to go over. One of the touchdowns by Iowa State was their only offensive touchdown or only touchdown that wasn't in garbage time. They tacked one, a late one, when they were down 17 in the second half. So really tough beat if you had the under. The game stayed under the total. That was kind of an angle where it was two teams familiar with each other where the under seemed like a strong play. There was money on the under on game day, so a lot of people probably went first half under thinking it would be a slow start, a feeling out process which it was for the first 29 minutes of the first half, but then two late scores in the first half goes over the total. So if you had the Iowa State-Iowa first half over, then that's a a positive sweat on your end. So good job if you had that. But very uh, unfortunate if you had the first half under. That actually considered betting before the game, and then I held off. So I kind of feel like I – There you uh, go. It was like a bet I didn't make that feels like a win. (laughs) <laughs> you love when those happen, and those could be yeah. just as good as, as bets that you win because you're not losing any money, and in a situation you knew you were going to end up losing money. But that was – I mean, that game itself was a game I don't think a lot of people expected Iowa State to play that poorly, and so they you know, were not helping themselves or not helping the total, but Iowa did its part. They hit that yeah. over. A lot of turnovers by Iowa State, and Iowa capitalized for the second week in a row off those turnovers yeah. of another defensive score and just – We'll have to see about Iowa going forward. I'm not sure if this is sustainable when they play competition. That might be a little weaker, but they'll be bigger favorites and maybe have trouble covering the number because I still don't really buy into that offense. But uh, definitely a team to look into as the year goes on when when Big Ten play gets underway. 
We had some NFL sweats as well. Oh, yeah. Cardinals Titans under 54. Yeah, so this total was bet up all week. It was like 51 and a half, 52. Got up bet up to 54 by close, which isn't a huge surprise if you given that Kyler Murray's healthy for the Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury, time to prepare, and the Titans defense bad, and then the Titans offense with a lot of weapons. And uh, at close 54, it got to 51, the Cardinals, which was one of our best bets. We both had the Cardinals plus three. With 18 minutes left in the game, so three minutes left in the third quarter, the score was 38-13, to 13, so it was on 51. The Titans couldn't get out of their own way. A lot of turnovers on downs. They couldn't stop Chandler Jones, who had five sacks total in the game. But to make matters worse and why this is considered a sweat of the week, the Cardinals missed a 43-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. And just in the garbage time, the Titans couldn't do anything. Just I don't know what really was going on. I was watching the game, but I, I just it was very incompetent offense by Tennessee. They couldn't do their part. Arizona certainly did theirs, but somehow that game stayed under pretty much every un, uh, total because I don't think it ever was lower than 51 and a half at least the week of the game. So that's a tough beat. It should have been a push at worst if you bet over as late as possible, and honestly, it should have probably been a total that got into the 60s, but combined based on the pace they were late in the third quarter. Yeah, Derrick Henry did not help out at all. Zero touchdowns for Derrick Henry, and I think he I only had 58 yards, three three and a half yards per carry. It was not a great start to the season for Derrick Henry, not really contributing to that total either. But luckily, Nate, that uh, Cardinals plus three was not a sweat, not a sweat no. at all. It was almost <laughs> like from the get go. You're, I was sitting there like, wow, this really should have bet the money line for the Cardinals on this one. Yeah, it was 17 nothing before the Titans got their first first down. We had concerns going into that game, and we'll talk about the Tennessee game when we look at some of the look-aheads for Week 2. But uh, we were worried about offensive coordinator Todd Downing kind of getting acclimated, and that kind of played out to fruition where he really struggled to get the offense going. It, it was very predictable. A lot of early down runs with Derrick Henry right into the line, creating long third downs, and then the offensive line couldn't protect. Finally, Dan Campbell's Lions. The man yeah. has a team that uh, apparently doesn't give up, or they give up in the first half, and then I guess they use that fourth quarter to uh, to come back and make some plays, but they were plus nine and a half for that game, um, yeah. and they did end up losing, but not without a fight to the 49ers, and the cover. Definitely, and this was another big line move, especially on game day. Pretty much all summer, it was Lions, min- or sorry, 49ers minus seven and a half. It got up to eight, eight and a half. Closed nine and a half, just everyone betting on San Francisco the day of the game. Also probably raising it up to over nine to protect the the books, protecting themselves from teasers, just teasing the 49ers down to under a field goal. So it's 41 to 17 under two minute warning for the 49ers. Lions have the ball. They score a touchdown, get the two point conversion to cut it to 16 onside kick. They get the ball again on the onside kick. They recover that touchdown, two point conversion to cut it to eight get it within the number, but then the the 49ers uh, money line and potential teasers got in jeopardy because the 49ers fumbled on third down and the Lions drove all the way down to the 49ers 24 yard line before stalling. So a, a crazy end game sequence in terms of the spread and even like sweating out the money line parlays and the, and the teasers. If you, if you laid it with the, the Niners, but if you were late to the party and had the Niners minus nine and a half, I think that's just a lesson that betting 
uh, game day of the NFL is not the way to do it. Get out these numbers early if you expect to bet on them. Don't wait till the last possible minute. And you should have won the game by the spread or um, against the spread. They should have probably won by 24 points when they were winning by that margin going into the two minute warning. But over a long period of time, things like this will happen and it's football and there's a lot of crazy end game situations. So always make sure to get the best number. Don't wait till game day unless you have some new information or you were waiting on a certain line. If you like the Lions and waiting till game day was the move. But if you like like a team that you know is going to be the public uh, side and the 49ers were the perfect example, bet early. You got all summer to do it. So don't you can't complain too much if you if you lay nine and a half right when the game kicked off because you had plenty of time to uh, to back the 49ers and, and cover a spread uh, if you just bet a few days before. That's what we're here for, too. We're going to be giving out the line movements later on in the yeah. show so you can see where the line's going and maybe grab that line before it even moves more towards the end of this week. And we're going to be talking about lines on Wednesday as well and giving our picks even on Friday. When we do picks Friday, Nate, those lines probably will not have moved as much as they will by Saturday and Sunday. So that's why you listen to Stark Lessons. You get those early lines. You get the money because you get those lines early. Now, we do have more takeaways that we wanted to get to from the weekend, and the Lions segue is perfect for that because eight underdogs in the NFL won outright. The Lions covered. A lot of a lot of uh, underdogs covered as well, but eight underdogs won outright. They were 10-4 and four against the spread. This was the weekend of underdogs, and you have teams like the Cardinals, which we picked. You have teams like the Eagles, who look like they should have been a huge favorite um, <laughs> in their game against the Falcons, yeah. um, which, again, this is going to be the year two for me, Nate, where I just fade the Falcons. Um, I didn't do that to start last year. I got burned by that, but they are just yeah. an awful team. And as long as Matt Ryan continues to be their quarterback, they will be an awful team, and I will continue to fade them throughout the year. Um, but you you had teams like the Texans win outright, 37-21. So, I don't know what you, as as someone who's a seasoned veteran at this betting thing, what they take away from seeing all of these underdogs not only cover, but they win as well. Um, what, what do you see from something like this? What's going on through your mind when you see it? So I think the conventional wisdom might be like, oh, now the, the underdogs are going to be get more respect. They'll be like half point, point shaded to the underdog, expecting like, oh, now the, the public is going to want to bet underdogs after the underdogs were so successful on the first NFL Sunday. I would say, I mean, that's possible, but also it's it's an efficient market. There's so much money information. If there's a line that's wrong, like the professional bettors will have no problem betting on the favorite. I think it's just kind of a, a, a maybe a, an outlier. I think the big takeaway, though, as you mentioned, eight outright underdogs winning, two of them also covered but didn't win. I think that kind of shows that I know the Thursday night game, the, the the favorite one but didn't cover but a lot of times the point spread doesn't even matter in the NFL where if you just pick the winner and they'll cover the spread so if you pick the a bet on a favorite you think they're going to win you you can feel comfortable laying the points instead of laying a big money line if you like an underdog and you bet them against the spread always make sure to put a portion of your bet on the money line because if you're betting on an underdog, you think they're going to win, you probably like the plus money value. And if they do win outright, that just increases the payout. And over long term, that will help out. So um, it's I think it's just more that the point spread sometimes doesn't matter. And, and as we saw with the eight outright upsets yesterday, I think the most surprising for me, as you mentioned, a few of them, uh, the Steelers winning in yeah. Buffalo, especially after the Bills were up 10 nothing. 
a game I, I kind of was watching and then just wasn't really paying attention to because I thought the Bills had it under control and all of a sudden to see the Steelers are, are winning. So that's a game I kind of want to watch back because I didn't expect Buffalo to maybe not cover the spread, but I expected them to at least win, especially in their first home game of a packed crowd since 2019. Yeah, it just looked like the Bills, you were like expecting them to do something, anything on offense, and they just right. weren't doing anything. So I, I don't know. I think this is one of those things when you when you look at takeaways, and, and you could always put overreaction in takeaways for every single weekend of NFL and college, but I'm very interested to see what the better's reaction will be for the Bills losing this game. And, you know, it was the same thing where you're just watching them and you're thinking, all right, they're going to score on this drive. They'll be able to take the lead. And they just weren't doing that. And, and Ben Roethlisberger was doing his thing offensively, which we didn't see a lot towards the end of last season for the Steelers. So that was really interesting. And, Nate, I remember seeing the Cardinals, another underdog that went out that won outright, and just thinking, like, watching Kyler just destroy that defense and just look like an MVP candidate type of quarterback and thinking, damn, I should have taken the Cardinals money line. You know, looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty, but Cardinals plus three, if you think they're going to cover that plus three, that margin is so small in that three point window. Just take the money line or at least put some money on the money line. If you're going to if you like the spread and think the Cardinals will somehow lose by two points or one point, I guess, if, if you think that's possible just put money on the on the money line. You're going to get a lot more for your buck. And it's more likely to happen than them losing by two or one point. Definitely, especially in a game with a high total where every point isn't as valuable. Uh, yeah. I think you can feel comfortable betting that that money line uh, in a game with a high total just because there's more variance. All right. One other thing for we wanted to go for betting takeaway in the college side, uh, Oregon yeah. taking I mean, down Ohio State. Yeah, I, I was truly shocked about that game. Um, yeah. We talked about that game all week made the case saying, like, can't bet on Oregon. It's a 9 a.m. game on their body clocks. They're traveling three time zones. Ohio State played week one on Thursday, so they had two extra days of rest. Uh, we found out before the game, Oregon's best player, potential first overall pick in the NFL draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, was going to be out. That line steamed up to, like, 15, 15 and a half after sitting around 14, 14 and a half all week. And then Oregon, a team in the Pac-12, and we bashed the Pac-12 North last week, and I'm just it's just unfathomable to think of a Pac-12 team going on the road in that environment and winning a game because it just never happens. And they got it done. And now they really make, a, I think, the college football playoff race interesting because they're in a great position now. We have Ohio State and Clemson already losing games, and those were two of the top five teams going into the year. So I think this could be a really fun college football se- season in general. I'm just really surprised and Ohio State they could get it together the schedule isn't that hard in the Big Ten they get Penn State and Columbus later in October so maybe they can figure it out and they're still alive in the college football playoff but I think there's more candidates this year they'll be competing for a college football playoff spot with some of the results we've seen early this season you know what this game also did for me Nate and you said it we talked about the body clock thing with Oregon and we talked about the body clock thing with the Los Angeles Chargers so I think the biggest takeaway for me this weekend is throwing out the whole time change issue because I know yeah. we've seen we see games a lot where you're thinking West Coast going over to the East Coast going to be an early game they're not going to be adjusted to the time change a three hour time change is is pretty decent size if you're traveling you know the day before but those two games that we thought time change would have an effect on them Chargers won Oregon won and I I think I have seen enough of that, and we saw some of it before in, in years past, 
where I'm ready to just throw that all out the window. And, and that's not going to be a factor in decision making for my bets. Um, rest wise, I think that's important. And we talked about Ohio State getting more rest and, and all that. That stuff I think is still important. But the time change body clock for me, Nate, I think I, I'm throwing that out in my decision making. I will add, I think early in the season, teams can overcome those kind of obstacles. So, like, the Chargers probably were, like, preparing with a different sleep schedule, practicing early to get acclimated. Oregon, I guess, was practicing early in the morning out in Oregon uh, uh, in Eugene to prepare for this game. I think when you go into the middle of the season, and especially, like, in the NFL, you're you're out uh, on your own coast for a long time, and then you have a isolated trip to the east coast for an early start and maybe you're banged up and tired that'll be more of a factor but i think early in the year it might be a lot of narrative as you mentioned and that it's being overrated and over factored into the lines all right let's look at some of week three college football lines with our opening bell Take a look at some of the line movements that we have seen. And we said it. What was it? Five minutes ago, Nate. This is the time to get some of these early lines if you like these teams um, because you're going to get a really good number, and that number will most likely move in the direction you do not want it to later on in the week. That first game that I hit myself, and I saw a lot of people hitting early on, Michigan State at Miami. Spartans go down to Florida, and that line started as Michigan State plus 7.5. I got it at plus seven as it started moving down in Michigan State's favor. It got down to plus five and a half, Nate, and now it's at six and a half. Yeah, kind of a lot of movement going on and not the best college slate again. I thought I think we said the same thing this week, but wanted to cover some line moves in the biggest games. And yeah, open seven and a half. I, I mentioned I wanted to mention this game because it got under the key number of, of seven, um, which is always big in any football game. And uh, it was floating around five and a half even this morning, and now a little bit of mo- money on Miami up to six and a half, six. I think we'll probably see this number stay here. If it ever gets back up to seven, there'll be some money on Michigan State. Um, Michigan State was impressive in week one against Northwestern. Meanwhile, Miami completely didn't compete against Alabama, and then they needed a le- late field goal to beat Appalachian State. In week two. So I think there's a lot of doubts about Miami after they had relatively high expectations going into the year. So we'll be interested to see what happens at this game. Maybe something we cover um, Friday later in the week. Purdue, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Uh, I don't I don't know how to say how bad they looked against. Toledo. They were hung over. They, 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 yeah. they were hung over. That was a hangover special. We have that in our situation of the week on Wednesday. We mentioned Notre Dame plus or minus 17 was a tough spot for them coming off the Florida State win. And now Florida State loses to Jacksonville State at home. So you have to wonder, yeah. was that Illinois or that sorry that Notre Dame win, even though they were in control for most of the game and, and let the lead slip away? Is that where they are? They like just not a good team because they barely beat Florida State and struggled to beat Toledo, needing that last uh, touchdown in the last few minutes. I think yeah. the market thinks so because it opened. Notre Dame minus eight and a half in South Bend against Purdue, and it's down to uh, seven. So Purdue's moved from plus eight and a half to plus seven. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more money come on Purdue. However, maybe the buy low spot on Notre Dame, if you if you still believe in the Fighting Irish. I, I don't personally know, and I don't think I, I could bet on Notre Dame. But um, now that the, num- the number has kind of gone away from us on Purdue, I'm not sure if I would want to take uh, – worse than seven if it gets down to six and a half or six. Alabama, Florida, 
And you know me and Alabama, Nate, I don't think an Alabama line can ever get too high. Started at four minus 14 up to minus 15 and a half. If you were able to get this early at minus 14, congratulations, because that is a really <laughs> good number to get Alabama at against the Florida team. I just, if it's not Georgia or not Clemson, I just don't see a reason to even like be scared of betting Alabama up to like minus 20 against some of these teams. And I know it's at Florida. I know it's in yeah. the swamp. I know it's on the road. But Alabama's just so good. I sprinkled a little bit of money on them to win the title at plus 210 this past weekend. Just after watching some of these better teams like Ohio State go down and, and seeing some of these top 10 teams struggle in some of their games, it's Alabama all the way for me, Nate. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a, a solid bet. I would say that 15.5 does seem like a little too rich because it's in Gainesville. It's Bryce Young's first road start. Bill O'Brien, there's still some little bit of questions about him calling plays. It was fine against Miami, but now we see what Miami is, and they barely beat App State. So I think you're paying a little bit of a premium now on Alabama, but I also am not going to bet against Alabama. One way to look at this game, though, Alabama is so good in the first half, getting out to strong starts. Maybe going Bama first half. I I wouldn't bet the full game just in case they get out to a lead and then Florida wants to – come back and maybe make the score more respectable. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I want to see Bryce Young in like a really tough environment uh, because that environment in Atlanta was a pro Alabama crowd on a, on a fast yeah. surface. I think it's going to be a different story in Gainesville. And now you're, you're really paying uh, a premium if you want to back the Crimson Tide at 15 and a half on the road. Auburn at Penn State. Penn State minus five, that line moved to minus six and a half. And I think a lot of people do like Penn State this year, kind of from what they've seen early on. Yeah, and there's some six now out there. This is kind of, we we looked at the Circa odds in Vegas, and it it opened. It got as low as Penn State minus four and a half. So a lot of movement here kind of between a field goal or just under a, a touchdown. Uh, a game I'm sure we'll talk about later this week. It's the primetime game, whiteout at Penn State. And Auburn, a team that I'm down on this year, they are 2-0, and but their wins are against Akron and Alabama State. So a new co- a first-year coach, Bo Nix, who hasn't really proven much his career, I think that offense is going to dearly struggle on the road at Happy Valley and just need Penn State to run the ball effectively. I, I think that's gonna be- this game will be a struggle for points, just thinking about the, the styles and watching that Penn State game against Wisconsin and seeing their offense not being uh, that strong of a unit. So I hope Penn State wins because I've had Auburn under, and this was one of the games I was counting on Auburn losing. Uh, We'll have to see, though, if I want to lay six with Penn State in a game I expect to be a little bit more lower scoring than usual. All right, let's take a look at some of these NFL games, some of these early line movements from the NFL. Uh, Saints at Panthers started as a pick 'em. Now the Saints uh, went to minus three and even minus three and a half yep. at some spaces. Just got it up to three and a half. And I feel like this could be an overreaction. A lot of prisoners in the moment thinking that Jameis Winston is on his way to an MVP candidacy. Yeah. He did have five touchdowns, but he also threw for under 150 pass yards. I think this might be a little bit of an overreaction to how they beat the Packers. I mean, it was a convincing win, 38-3. to But I did point out, I believe it was on Wednesday's show, or maybe it was Friday's show. I think it was Wednesday's show because we did, like, a bigger game breakdown. I said I was a little bit worried 
backing I, the idea of backing the Packers because I thought the Saints had some advantages in the matchups in terms of Alvin Kamara against the Green Bay rush defense that I don't really respect. And then the Packers offensive line losing some key parts to that unit last year and maybe taking some a little bit to get acclimated with each other. So I like the Saints in that specific game in terms of just like staying away from the Packers just because they'd be the public side. But I'm not a huge fan of the Saints' season-long outlook. And now they're on the road against a Panthers team who did win, but Sam Darnold did struggle. And I could see why this line maybe has gone out to Saints minus three or minus three and a half in some spots. But I would be pretty surprised if I don't end up betting Carolina by the end of the week, thinking this is a classic overreaction because the line has adjusted three and a half points from the the look ahead line opener that was set before week one was played broncos at jaguars and i can see why this line has moved almost four points minus two and a half for the broncos to minus six the broncos looked good against the giants and teddy bridgewater he looked solid. I mean, I think he looked more solid than if people expected, and the Jaguars look like Urban Meyer may just quit the team in the middle of the season. I literally wrote one note for this game because the Jaguars' performance speaks for itself, but I said oh, Bridgewater yeah. looked great. And you're, you're right. If, Teddy, <laughs> if they can get really that kind of quarterback play from Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, I, this is a legit uh, – I mean, they're probably not going to beat the Chiefs for the division, but they're, they're a wild-card threat. And, and this defense – with Vic Fangio, third year, it's a, an improved unit just because they got healthy and the cornerbacks they added. I just I think they're going to be a very dominant unit for a lot of this season, and that includes playing Jacksonville and what I what's going to be a real tough matchup for Jacksonville and first year rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence, especially because they look so poor against the Houston Texans, they look who bad. going into the year had a projected win total of four. Yeah, they were horrible yeah. then. And that's why we've seen this three-and-a-half-point line movement. And usually I don't want to overreact to line moves, but there's no way. Maybe, I don't know. I just couldn't bet on Jacksonville. There's no way I'll no. be betting on Jacksonville, especially since I had kind of high hopes for Denver going into the season. I had Denver minus three yesterday, and I had them in some contest minus three, even though I was a little bit worried that the Giants' home field advantage might kind of uh, maybe make it a little bit more difficult for Bridgewater. But he did his job. The defense played fine, uh, held the Giants out of the end zone. So I'm not sure what to do with this game. I don't think I could lay six on the road with the Broncos, but I have no intention of betting this Jacksonville Jaguars team after the egg they laid yesterday in Houston. I wish I had gotten them earlier around three, two and a half yeah. if I did, no. because that's that's a great number for, for a game against the Jaguars. Yeah, I wish I bet minus two and a half. On the look lovely uh, last yeah. week because then you could just sit back and be like, well, I mean, I did my job, so now the players have to do <laughs> theirs. Vikings Cardinals, Cardinals minus two and a half before week one, and now it's down to three and a half this morning. It got up to four, four and a half at some points. I again, I, I don't see why we shouldn't take the Cardinals again for our best bets segment on Friday night, depending on how, how high this line goes. But I am not convinced that the Vikings are a good team whatsoever. I don't think Kirk Cousins is nearly as good of a quarterback as, you know, his reputation says he should be at this point or people think that he is or how good that offense should really be, what type of personnel they have. I am all in on the Cardinals, even just after week one. And I know overreactions are absolutely a thing, but I loved what I saw from the Cardinals, both offensively and defensively. Um, which you couldn't really say about them the last couple of years. They just look solid on both sides of the ball. 
So if this stays below four, below five, I'm, I may make them another best bet by Wednesday. So, so I watched the pretty much every play of the Cardinals game. I was, uh, had a little bit of a Sunday gig on Dave Ross, our uh, former stadium. Shout out. Uh, host. Shout out to Dave Ross doing great things now at VEASAN in Las Vegas. And I was contributing to his Green Zone show that he hosted for seven hours yesterday. So I was assigned this game where I was watching this game and they were tossing for me with updates. So I feel like I, I know a lot about the Arizona Cardinals. And, yeah, it was impressive. And, uh, and looking back at the box score, they outgained the Titans 6.2 to 3.9 yards per play. So a huge angle there. I know we're going to get to the Titans in the next game, but yeah, the Cardinals look legit. Chandler Jones had five sacks. The Vikings have some offensive line injury issues, so they're going to have to figure that out before Sunday. I've been high. The thing is, I was high on the Vikings before the year, and they really that it was a good day yesterday. But the Vikings losing was tough because I had them as one of my three survivor entries. I try to go contrary on on one instead of picking the chalk. Um, and that was really disappointing, honestly. And <laughs> I, I maybe want to give them one more chance and might just stay no, away no, or use the Vikings in, in the contest, but I don't know. I, I think that the Cardinals and the underdog role is a different, a different setting than them as a favorite. Cliff Kingsbury is a favorite over Mike Zimmer. I still kind of have respect for Mike Zimmer. So that's kind of what's keeping me. I'm not sure. I'm trying to. That's talk a sad myself. sentence. I'm trying to talk myself into saying the Vikings. At, I, so if the Vikings were at four and a half, like they were, they shot up to last night um, on the openers for the Sunday evening openers. And mm-hmm. I say like it's either Vikings or pass. But now that we're back at three and a half, obviously some smart money took the Vikings at that price point, and it's probably in the zone now where it's a fair line. Probably won't get involved at least betting wise. Uh, maybe to fill out my contest card if I'm having trouble betting on the Vikings, but uh, it's probably going to be a pass for me. I'm going to give this a week. I'm going to stay away from this game, I think, and see if this is like the Cardinals of yesteryear where they look really good one game and then they come out the next game and they blow a stinker. They just look really, really bad. So I, That's I'm, my worry. Yeah, and, and I think this is a changed team. I really do, but I just need to see a week where they can – Prove it, and I'm not going to have my money on them, and, and just see if they can prove it. Because if they can, I'll ride that Cardinals train all the way through the rest of the season. But I just need that one week where I don't have any money in them. I'm not risking anything just to see if they can prove that to me. Yeah, and I remember last year the Cardinals were about a touchdown underdog in San Francisco. They won the game outright. There was a lot of hope for them. Next week they blow out the Washington football team. So they're 2-0, and a lot of high hope for them. And then they lose the Detroit Lions in week three. So this is kind of that thing where it's like, you don't want to bet on the Cardinals off like their best possible performance because they might be a little bit overvalued and just some trust issues I have with Kingsbury. And they took a lot of penalties. Like they had their fair share of mistakes yesterday, even though they won by 25 points, but like it wasn't the cleanest game early on for, for uh, Arizona. So I think a better team, I don't say the Vikings are better than the Titans, but I, I, the Titans or the Vikings, I feel like that's this game is kind of their last like they like fully they need a fully focus and they can't start 0 and 2. They need they need this game. If, if they start 0 and 2, I think Mike Zimmer knows that he he might lose the team a little bit. Might lose his job too. Titans yes. Seahawks in Seattle. Seahawks minus three and a half at the open went to minus six and that line has moved down just a little bit to minus five and a half. Seemingly. People have not given up fully on the Titans. 
after their 13-point performance against the Cardinals. But, Nate, with this game being in Seattle, it's tempting to bet Seattle, even under a six-point favorite. But again, they're one of those teams where they really scarred me last season, where they were they were great to bet on to start the year, and then something happened after that bye week where they just were terrible. They, they couldn't cover. Their offense didn't look good. Russell Wilson went from an MVP favorite to someone who threw three interceptions in a game. So the Seahawks, again, are on that list where I'm very cautious with them, especially with a line this big. Yeah, I agree. And I talked just now how I – you know, the Titans looked poor against the Cardinals, and I think now it might be a time to, to buy low on them just because there was high expectations going into the season. At six, I would have definitely liked would have liked to take Tennessee. Maybe it gets back up there. I know Seattle looked very good against the Colts yesterday, and the box score indicates that, but it's a little bit of a different scenario when you have to cover a little bit bigger of a number against a team that was favored to win the AFC South. So I think we're getting a a pretty solid team in the Tennessee Titans who had a bad game yesterday, but I expect Mike Vrabel's team to bounce back. And the offense has to be a little bit better and a little bit more creative. And I think against the Seahawks defense, they'll be able to do it because the Seahawks aren't great at rushing the passer. And that's where the Titans struggled with protecting Ryan Tannehill. So I think Tannehill could have some time to throw. Derrick Henry can get going and this game could be a, a close one that stays at least within the number. I love with these NFL teams, especially teams that you know to be better than their past game showed. You bet on them the next game because if they're good and if you think they're good enough, they're going to have that bounce back game. Yep. Don't let 60 minutes dictate what you think of a team uh, throughout a season. Maybe there are some concerning things like you mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. Like maybe that's that's stuff that's more uh, not fixable in one week. But I think with some proving commodities like the Titans, like the Vikings, maybe in like a past life, maybe the Vikings are, aren't what they used to be, which is totally fair. But I mean, I was high on the Vikings, so I don't want to give up on them one week into the year, even though I was kind of cooling off them based on some of the stuff going on um, in terms of what's happening uh, just off the field with that team that I don't think we want to get into. Monday Night Football, Ravens, Raiders. Before we go, Nate, have to yep. preview our Monday night football game. First Monday night football game of the season for us. Ravens are minus four in that line uh, with the Gus Edwards news. Moved down to like three and a half at some points during last yep. week. Minus four now. You know we love to fade John Gruden. And at least I love to fade John Gruden. And I'm on the fade John Gruden train. I bet the Ravens minus four early last week. This was before all the injury news. So I wasn't very happy when... All the ACL tears happen, and and the line moves to minus three and a half, but it moved back, and so it seems like at least the market still likes the Ravens on the road in Vegas. Yeah, I I think it's a few things. The the thing is the Ravens have these cluster injuries at running back with Dobbins getting hurt in preseason and Justice Hill, who is like the third string guy, getting hurt. Um, And then we had Marcus Peters tear his ACL, which I think is actually going to be the bigger loss for them and something I'm a little bit worried about more than the running backs. But, yeah, you said we're a fade John Gruden podcast. The Raiders have a new offensive line. They're they're replacing the whole right side of their offensive line. They traded away Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown in the offseason. They also traded center Rodney Hudson. And that that offensive line was the reason why the Raiders were competitive last season offensively. So I think with a new look offensive line, despite all the injuries for the Ravens, 
I just believe, as we know, we don't like John Gruden on this podcast, so the John no. Harbaugh-John Gruden matchup is something we like. This was probably going to be a best bet for me on Friday's show if there wasn't all these crazy injuries with the Ravens. Like, I actually like, don't know what's going on there. So this could be a bet for me, Ravens minus four, that I'm going to make. I've been holding out, hoping to get a three and a half, but it doesn't look like it's going to get there. This is, like, as close of a best bet it's going to get for me. So I like the Ravens, but I also have Raiders under their win total, so I don't want to make a that as big of a bet as maybe I normally would because I have some anti-Raiders stuff going into this, <laughs> going into this season. I like uh, it. The regular season win total under. So I just hope the Ravens win. Obviously cover the spread because I have a bet on them, but just with these injuries, it's going to keep me off making it a true best bet. But it's it's in that territory with me where I had like the Broncos and the Browns plus the points. So it's like it's like right up there, just below the best bet category. But uh, it's it's Ravens minus four for me. And another reason I'm worried is that crowd in Vegas could be very loud in their first game with fans in that stadium in the city. So I think that maybe there be, could be some live betting opportunities on the Ravens if they start trailing in this game because the crowd kind of lifts the Raiders early on. Yeah, I'm on the Ravens minus four. Um, I, I don't think it's in best bet territory simply because of I, I think you combine the injuries, you combine them uh, being the road team and, and that new stadium in Vegas and, and everything like that on a Monday Night Football stage. I still like the Ravens, but not a best bet territory. But I think we are both in agreement that the move forever will be to fade John Gruden. Um, and I'm hoping that that comes true in week one for us this year. Yep, absolutely. All right, that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back Wednesday with uh, more look-aheads, maybe a best bet or two early on in the week for week three of college football and week two of NFL. And then, of course, we have our picks Friday. So good luck to everyone for Monday Night Football, and we'll see you back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.